Kyrie Irving plans on going to L.A., meaning the Lakers, as soon as he possibly can. The likelihood is that you'll have to go through this season, and then when he becomes a free agent after this upcoming season is over, he plans on rejoining LeBron James. They'll have about 70 to $80 million under the cap. They're going to use it on Kyrie Irving, or so Kyrie Irving has been convinced to believe. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Yeah, lots of NBA coming up. That was Stephen A. Smith talking about Kyrie and the Lakers, and we'll hear from uh, Brian Windhorst later on. Good conversation this morning about what the Lakers could do. Obviously, a cap-strapped team. So, Kyrie could be in L.A. sooner than later if there's no takers for Kyrie's game, and there might not be any takers. So we just talked to a UNLV AD, Eric Harper. They've got a brand-new season ticket incentive. Uh, you get UNLV-branded Nike shoes, the uh, Pegasus, when you buy UNLV football and men's basketball season tickets. Very affordable, especially with you know what tickets are generally in Las Vegas. you got to do that by the end of July. UNLVtickets.com, UNLVtickets.com, and then they've got... Uh, these custom shoes, they're really cool. And uh, as Eric Harper said, they're in the past have really only been available to um, UNLV athletes and, and staffers and coaches. So you get even closer to the program with the uh, UNLV-branded Nike shoes. So I would say Willie, for the most part, is you know glass half full, if not overflowing. Um, I joke about it, but I actually am serious on this front about being glass half full, to the point of being overflowing. Um, we were just talking about UNLV athletics and the future. And, you know, football is going to be one of the the biggest things that drives the bus. Men's basketball has to do well. Uh, the other sports programs have gotten better and better and better. Eric Harper's continued that. Desiree Rue Francois did a good job of hiring some good coaches. So a lot of the non-revenue, as you would call them, Olympic sports, are doing well, right? The Vegas market would be a draw. That's what we've all been hoping for, for, you know, as the the city has grown. And now we've added Major League Sports with the Raiders and VGK. Vegas itself, we hope, is a draw. I see a, a lot of negativity outside the market. I'm just telling you that we don't know what's going to happen, how this is all going to sort out in the next five years or so, Willie. When it comes to if there's a power five, a power four, if there's 64 teams, if there's 80 teams, if there's 48, and by teams, it's schools, right? These are schools. It's not just, this is not professional teams, but we don't know what the final number is going to be. And I, if I were a UNLV fan, I wouldn't be hopeless. And the thing I always point to is there are some football programs around the country that have at least made themselves respectable over the last, you know, 20, 30 years that a while back were just pathetic. So it can be done. You know, Kansas State was crap. Bill Snyder turned it into something that was pretty representative. I have no idea what that means for the future of Kansas State in Manhattan, Kansas. Like, they may get bumped out if there's only 48. No one wants Manhattan, Kansas. Northwestern, an unbelievable academic institution, was a freaking joke forever. Pat Fitzgerald and investing in the program, right? They have like this unbelievable $300 million, you know, football and overall athletics facility that's right there on Lake Michigan. It's sick. By the way, they still don't have a new stadium. It's one of the worst stadiums I've been in. 
covering UNLV on the road, awful. Like it is, it is Mountain West quality, like low Mountain West quality stadium. Um, but they've overcome that. You know, being in the Big Ten, having tradition help, but they got it done. And I will tell you repeatedly, I will, and I'm not trying to. You know, this is just me talking about the school I went to because I went there. I'm telling you, Rutgers was at a point. Rutgers football was at a point where it was pretty freaking hopeless. Right. And there wasn't money being put into the program. They finally invested in the program. They got it to a point. And again, kind of like, I mean, it, it's it's a different size market, but they used a lot of the might of having nine million people who live in New Jersey and then a metro area that's got like twenty five million people. And they got themselves into the Big Ten. So anything is possible, I think, with aggression and creativity. You know, I was going to save this for later. I'll, I'll make the pitch now. Because I want to talk about the A's and that whole Major League Baseball thing. You know, the more I think about it, right, The we told you the whole time. Major League Baseball with the A's coming to Las Vegas was bullcrap. And those of you who got, into it, who got into it, you were dragged along. And we told you the entire time. We were being used as a negotiating pawn, right? There is no baseball stadium project on the way here. Maybe there's something tied to another project. We'll see. But there's no... Intense hunger here for a third professional, you know, major league sport to me, unless it's the NBA. But bigger than that, you see how baseball operates? You see how disingenuous and sneaky and underhanded major league baseball acts? And they've done this for years. To get their stadiums, they crap on their local market. You know how poorly they've treated the Oakland A's fans, especially this year? And they're obnoxious about it. Think about it. As a city, as a region, Southern Nevada, we we now can be a little bit picky and choose what we're going to have here next, what we're going to spend some money on, right? The NFL is going to work. VGK has worked really well. We don't have to bend over and beg to bring things here. And I just, I don't, I see the way baseball treats its cities. And now, because the next, what this was, I think, is, hey, let's use Vegas. We'll sucker them a little bit, get them a little bit excited. We're going to stay in Oakland. It'll work out. We're not leaving the freaking Bay Area, you know, a top 10 market for a growing market that's, you know, in the low 30s, high 20s. We're not going there with it. We're not going to lose this market. But what we'll do is we'll get them excited and we'll expand to Vegas, right? That that sort of stuff, it's like, do we want to get in bed with a sport that operates like that? That That's underhanded like that like it's and it's been that way for a long time it's very it's very seedy and the other thing is let's look at the growth sports in this country willie teens 20 somethings 30 somethings baseball really they fired up i'll tell you what seems to be growing to me is the other behemoth in football we have the nfl college football to me is He's only on the upswing. So I don't know, man. If if I were, you know, a real power broker and I had money to move around, or, you know, we have a we have a government entity here that really helps promote, you know, is there to help promote tourism and has strongly been behind, you know, efforts to get the Raiders here and, you know, arenas and stadiums built and money allocated here and events brought here, the LBCVA, I would get behind college football and I would make the effort to get to that table before I would get in bed with a sport that is over 100 years old and kind of treats its fans like ass. 
and doesn't seem to care who it hurts along the way. Yeah. Um, like a lot of the baseball owners and the commissioners over the years have just kind of been creeps. Yeah. You're useful to us when we need you. You know, but then but then you'll have the Cincinnati Reds owner come out at the beginning of the season like, well, what else are you going to do? We're not going to spend money because we don't think we can compete. Where else are you going to go? Really? That's the attitude? What 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 business operates and treats our consumers like that? And baseball has done that consistently in lots of markets. But we we want to we want to cozy up to baseball. Why? Is it even a growing sport in the United States? I like baseball, but for me, m- most of my baseball interest is kind of historic. So it tugs at the heartstrings, and it's gambling. I'm also in my fifties, so I just mentioned. Teens, twenties. You guys like baseball? You uh, you unfolded a whole lot there. You've been holding that in. I could tell. Uh, no, I just you know what? I, I hit well, me yesterday. No, hit me yesterday when st- I see how poorly Oakland got treated, and that we've been used as a pawn. And then I, I often think of like just how uh, you know depressed and desperate people are around the UNLV community, and how Vegas feels about. Uh, college football in the state, and I'm like, why don't we get more aggressive in the state, like at at the state level, at the local level, with the LVCVA? Let's get more aggressive and try to get to the college football table. There's obviously some movement here, Willie. Let's be aggressive. We we generally can get what we want in Las Vegas. We're to the point now. We told college football's national title game. Now you know what? We're not moving conventions, and CES is not moving. You move. And college football's like, oh, we're out. And we're like, okay, we're fine. We'll get other events. We have muscle here now. Uh, and 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 something you brought up, was it last week? We were talking and how everyone was up in arms when they named the World Cup sites and they were and you were uh, calm down, Vegas. Yeah. They didn't so I want to the go world, back. The World I, Cup wanted too much. We weren't willing to invest a hundred million dollars in different facilities and then use the stadium. We gotta, you know, we gotta fix the, we gotta fix the owl. Then we gotta provide like at no cost to them the World Cup to FIFA, which again another kind of crooked organization. You know, we gotta spend tens of millions of dollars. Like, nah, the event's big. We're bigger. We're we're fine without the World Cup. So absorbing all that, yeah. I want to go back to how you initiated this entire rant in 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 that. Vegas, you do not have to panic. If there, I, and, and stop looking at the big picture of conference power, UNLV football. Forget about the history of. Start thinking about the city that UNLV is in, and the progress that this entire town, from a sports landscape, how this picture is unfolding, and the cards that this city holds. And if you don't think that the leaders of this town, the county commissioners, the city council, former mayor Oscar Goodman still has pull, current mayor Carolyn Goodman, the governor, if you don't think that they don't care about UNLV as a whole, you're blind. Regardless of the fact, yes, the Raiders and the Golden Knights and the Aces and everybody loves to pro sports, but... UNLV set the foundation, and there are old-time power brokers that are still in place that when it comes time to make that move, UNLV football and UNLV basketball, both men's and women's, they're going to grow. And it's going to be enticing for a conference to want UNLV because of the facilities, the town, the revenue, the tourist attraction, the spot for a championship site, the spot for tournament sites. 
Las Vegas is going to be fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll also, uh, over the next five years, if if those people you mentioned do care about getting to the college sports table, a bigger you know piece of the money pie, uh, with what Las Vegas has to offer, and times change, because if you told anyone five years ago, L.A. schools, USC and UCLA would be in the Big Ten, they'd be like, you're crazy. Times change. You know, college sports goes where the money is. And if I'm going to, well, I'm going to sit here as a Las Vegan and freak out because what I'm worried about Corvallis or Pullman or Ames or Iowa city. I mean, things change, man. Things shift. We have 2.3 million people here. There's money. Let's We're generating see. more money where, I mean, come on, we, we have people coming in that probably will get no public money or very little with the Bedane Liwiki project. And they're going to do a $3 billion, maybe multiple stadium project. This is a hot place now, but we've got to, we've got to choose our priorities. If I, I, to me, I think it's, I think it's a bad investment to make a run at major league baseball. College football is growing. College sports is growing. Yeah. Be aggressive, be a United front and move toward it and try to grab a piece of that pie. Yeah. People love college football. It's only growing. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Are the Raiders exempt from being considered for last place? I don't have them. I mean devil's advocate. There's no meat on that bone. They got better. They got really good players. They got really good players. And their coach, I really respect. So did the Chargers, though. Look how many for good sure. players they have. Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, college teammates, like that type of connection. Crosby coming off the edge. Chandler Jones on That's the good. other side. The division's so talented, but uh, Broncos will be last. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Route on Cofield and Company. Interesting. Good morning, football. Debating uh, last place team in the AFC West. It's going to be an ultra competitive division. Things open up for camp because uh, the Raiders are in the Hall of Fame game, but things open up July 18th for the rookies, July 20th. So it's July, baby. Football is like three weeks away because uh, that's when all uh, the action begins. And we start rolling towards the regular season. Stanford route knows that well. He played for the Oakland Raiders, played in the NFL, joins us every Friday. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? How are you? We're good. We're good. We're getting fired up uh, here. One of the big topics is what happened yesterday with USC and UCLA uh, going to the Big Ten because, you know, when you're in the group of five, and your school was up until a couple of months ago, Houston, right, uh, before you got invited to the Big 12, when you're in the group of five, you're kind of always looking around like what the hell is going to happen once all the big uh, boys decide, you know, what money they want and what conferences they're going to join. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. Uh, like I said, that that right there came out of left field. At least it did for me, seeing USC and UCLA both go to the Big Ten. But once again, it's all about money. It's all about college football and what that type of revenue brings. And right now, at this landscape in college football, it's all about the Big Ten and the SEC. You yeah. see the Big 12 just lost UT and Oklahoma, which pretty much run the Big 12. So now the whole super conference is really, really coming very close to fruition now with the Big Ten and the SEC because the Blue Bloods, all of the big-time schools, are now pretty much in those two respective conferences. Yeah, and you wonder if the Pac-12 and the Big 12 will come up with an agreement to kind of join, join forces 
or one will kind of steal from the other and then just destroy the other conference, which is is sad. And, you know, one of the things I've been mentioning here and there uh, online and also, you know, on the show, you know, it's it, in all these discussions, because we're just, you know, we're so surface when we talk about stuff like this, like we can actually talk about the athletes a little bit. Like this is, these are weird times for the athletes. Like you committed to go to a place, you thought you were going to compete at a certain level. Now you may either be going up in the next couple of years or down. You don't know as an athlete who you're competing against. Yeah, I think that uh, I think it uh, I, I think it's very safe to question: Is the Big Twelve, is the Pac twelve, or now what do you call it, the Pac ten again, <laughs> yep. or something like that? Does that go away? Do, do they lose their Power Five conference type of label? And I say that because when you look at the Big Twelve, now that Oklahoma and UT are going to go to the SEC, you have Baylor. Good school. Obviously, they won the Big 12 when it comes to football, but they're not a blue blood like Oklahoma, University of Texas. So now you got Texas Tech. You got Cincinnati's going to be in the Big 12. Obviously, U of H is going to be there soon. You got Oklahoma State and Iowa State still. But from just that name appeal, the revenue, just that tradition, that type of that that, that type of uh, of aura that you hear that you feel whenever you hear of one of these schools like USC, UCLA. Well, now the Pac-10 or the Pac-12, whatever it's going to be now, has Stanford. Obviously, they, I mean that's a good school. Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Utah, Colorado. But those certain schools drive the conference. Right. And now you're starting to see the Big 12 and now the Pac-12 losing those schools that drive their conference. So it definitely is within the realm of reason to question, are they still going to be considered a power five where a la, if you win your conference, you automatic, get an automatic bid to a BCS bowl, right. even though that sort of situation does not exist anymore now that you have the college football playoff intact. So just your opinion, and you know you might not be objective because you went to Houston, but I, I do want your take on this. In Texas, like five years from now, right? So uh, UT is out. They're, they're off to the SEC. Um, I feel a little bit of arrogance coming from uh, Power 5 schools that are now in, uh, you know, in the fold, right, in the Big 12. But in terms of the pecking order, could Houston surpass every other school in Texas now that they're going to be getting more TV money? Like when you look at Baylor, you just said it. You know, when you look at Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, are you like, oh, my God. Will never be as good as them, or are you actually hopeful as a, a Houston alum, a Houston fan, that you know what? Hey, now we're now we're on equal footing with money. We're going to start blowing those guys away. Well, I can tell you that I've been around those boys down there in Houston for a, a, for a, for a, a period of time, and the one thing I can tell you is that to your point of what you're just asking, yes, University of Houston could very easily surpass all those other schools because that you obviously University of Houston now has more funding. Then no doubt about that. Tillman Fertitta is on the Board of Regents. He's a billionaire. He owns the Houston Rockets, Landry Seafood, all of that. So the money's there. And then when you factor in how U of H went from Conference USA to the American Athletic Conference, they were getting $2 million a year from Conference USA back when I was in school. Then all of a sudden they go to American Athletic Conference where they're getting, I think, $13 million a year. And then even then, at that time around 2011, 12, 13, I saw a vast change within the school as far as just everything on campus. You're starting to see more buildings come up, just all the quality of life for the students. And then 
uh, Tillman Fertitta comes on around 2015, you see a jolt. You see just some energy. You see more financial strength being injected into the university from that. And now going to the Big 12, because if you are a kid from Houston, Texas, you're a four-star, five-star kid. Well, it's real easy to go ahead and overlook Houston because at the time right now, currently Houston is in the American Athletic Conference. They play on the CBS Sports Network, things like that. Mm -hmm. They're not playing on ABC, ESPN, and Fox, and all of those other networks like that. And so that's where the Steve Sarkeesians of the world, and it used to be obviously at one point in time, it was uh, Tom Herman, Charlie Strong, people like that. But they could walk into a kid's home or Jimbo Fisher down there at Texas A&M, you walk into that kid's home in Houston, Texas, and that's easily what you can hit him with. Well, you know, son, I mean, do you really want to go to University of Houston? Like, look at look at the, TV, the type of TV channels they play on. We play on ABC, Fox, ESPN, all of that. So the kid is going to easily go to the Power 5 school. But now mm -hmm. they no longer can do that. And that's where U of H now has that footing because you got Houston, Texas, so much talent out here that would love to stay at home and still being in a power five conference, playing on national TV, all of that. So that was the last straw, or should I say that was the last domino that Houston needed to be on the same playing field as everybody else, which is why back in 2015, 2016, when the Big 12 was actually thinking of expanding and they were flirting with the Houston Cougars, but all of a sudden at the end of the day, they didn't want to basically take our phone call. They were leaving our text messages on red, so to speak. That's the main reason why UT and Oklahoma did not want Houston in the Big 12 yeah. because they knew yeah. that was the last domino that Houston needed to be able to go ahead and compete with them because the uh, the recruiting the recruiting base in the city of Houston, fourth largest city in the country, they got so much talent out here that if they stay at home, man, it is a sleeping giant. Stanford, uh, it's time to – we're talking to Stanford Ralph, former Raider great, and now uh, Stanford, i got to get your little riled up maybe. I don't know. But ESPN <laughs> oh. just released an article ranking all through 32 NFL teams based on the PFF database. Uh-huh. Uh, Chargers, number three. Chiefs, number nine. Broncos, number 14. The Las Vegas Raiders at 21. Are they serious? And that's just basically ranking all the teams from 1 through 32 as far as where they feel that they're going to fall this year. Based on the Pro Football Focus database. Yeah, it's the, it's the roster. So they rank the rosters, and they say the, the Raiders have the 21st roster in the NFL. I think that's probably a little low. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, with Chandler Jones, Max Crosby, you got now Devontae Adams, several other additions. Um, I would probably say if you're if you're really looking at everything in in totality, I think 21 is probably a little low. I would probably put them somewhere around 15, 14, somewhere in the somewhere in the mid teens, just because, yeah, we see a lot of additions to this team. Obviously, there's an injection of energy. It's like a shot in the arm, uh, obviously, this offseason. But you still got to be able to go ahead and put that out there on the football field. Everything has to translate into Ws. And with this already being a crowded division in the AFC West, I could see how somebody that has more of a pessimistic mindset 
for the Raiders because of how the Raiders have played over the last, let's say, 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah, even in 2016 or last year, 2021, they make it to the playoffs and then they don't do anything in the playoffs. So I could see how somebody pessimistically could put them at 21. But notice I say pessimistically. I definitely think that that's a little low for the Raiders as far as 1 through 32 in the NFL. Okay, so you say you could see 14, 15. That yeah, means where, that. what are what are we doing with – so they're obviously not touching Kansas City or, or the Chargers, and I somewhat agree with those rankings right there. I could see that, but – the Broncos ahead of the Raiders, I'm not buying into. I'm not ready to do it. I don't care that Russell Wilson's there. That does it's it's irrelevant. I still don't think that the Raiders are the fourth best team or the fourth ranked team in the AFC West. Well, once again, we're talking about rosters, and just because somebody has a better roster than you does not mean that they're going to beat you. Let's go ahead and look at the St. Louis Rams versus the New England Patriots back in the 2001 Super Bowl. So we're talking about rosters, and without Russell Wilson. Denver Broncos last season, they were ready to pop. They were ready to go ahead and take off. They got the offensive weapons. You got a good defense. The one thing they were missing was a quarterback. They were missing somebody who was mature taking the ball from center. For crying out loud, you had Drew Locke, and then you had a little bit of Teddy Bridgewater, and now they have Russell Wilson. They got a star quarterback. They have an adult in the room. They got somebody that can lead the franchise. And the thing is, I can tell you guys just like this. If you were to ask me to rank one through four, how do I think the AFC West is going to play out on the football field? Not the roster, for crying out loud. On the football field this coming fall, I can tell you just like this, and most people, they're lying if they say otherwise. Whatever their ranking is, one through four, if you flipped it upside down, they probably would not be surprised with that either. Now, I say that to say it's so tight with the Chargers, to the Chiefs, to the Raiders, to the Broncos. It's so tight as far as the discrepancy in talent, the discrepancy in where I think the win-loss records are going to play out, that if you told me right now that the Denver Broncos were going to win the AFC West, I would not exactly fight you on it because they got them out of town over there, and now they got a quarterback. If you were to tell me that the Los Angeles Chargers were going to win it, well, I would not be surprised. They got a star quarterback. Uh, they just added Joey. I'm um, sorry. They added, they added uh, my man J.C. Jackson and Khalil Mack to a team that's already loaded offensively and defensively. If you told me the Raiders would win it, wouldn't be surprised. If you told me the Chiefs, they still got Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But if you also told me that one of those, that all, that any of those four teams are going to wind up being last in the division. I can see that as well. The Chiefs are not going to have Tariq Hill. The Los Angeles Chargers are still a young team, still got a young Justin Herbert. Maybe he makes some mistakes down the stretch, and they go ahead and falter and go ahead and stub their toe a couple of times. The Denver Broncos, maybe Russell Wilson, maybe his best days are behind him. Maybe he's a little bit overrated. And for the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, we could say that they're still the Raiders as far as actually being able to put it, actually being able to handle success. So I just think that it is such a tight division I would not be surprised whoever's going to finish last, not because they're a bad team, but just because the division is so stacked. Okay, so you say they're still the Raiders. ESPN.com asks, better, worse, or the same in how the Las Vegas Raiders offense has changed this offseason? You're asking me better, worse, or the same? Yep. 
Well, that's what. Oh, yeah. I, th- I definitely think they're going to be better just because you got Devontae Adams. He's now Custom, hooking up right? with his college, with his college uh, best friend and a Derek Carr. But if you're asking me, is that going to necessarily automatically translate into W's? I'm not exactly ready to go ahead and stand on the table and say that. But the offense is going to be more dynamic. It's going to be more prolific. You got Josh McDaniels. He's learned from his early mistakes with the St. Louis Rams and the Denver Broncos earlier on in his career. I think the offense is definitely going to be better. To me, this year, it is going to come down to can the defense make stops when they need to? That's why they bought in a Chandler Jones to go ahead, book in with the Max Crosby, and get after the quarterback because they're anticipating scoring a lot of points and needing to be able to get off the field in the second half to go ahead and stop the quarterback and things like that because they still did not address the secondary, at least the way I felt that they should have. Let's close on a uh, sports point because I know you're a big sports fan. Uh, big news of the week, aside from college conference Armageddon with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten, is Kevin Durant wanting out of Brooklyn, assuming he oh, is traded. I don't know. I think everyone on this show, I, I'm, I'm assuming you like Kevin Durant. I don't think there's any you know, big reason to dislike the guy. I'd like to see the guy play for championships. Where would you like to see Kevin Durant land with a good chance to win more championships? Oh, man. Um... Oh wow! Uh, I mean, his uh, his man, his, his wish list is Phoenix, Miami. Uh, certainly, the Lakers if they could swing something, I think the Lakers would have to move AD and Westbrook in a trade. Uh, I like Memphis to be in the mix with their young core. Atlanta would love to get them. Um, I think there's a lot of teams out there that hey, you know, and anyone from you know 45 wins up to 55 wins, uh, they get Kevin Durant. All of a sudden, as long as they don't gut their roster in a trade, they have a chance to win a title. Well, yeah, I think that uh, obviously I want to see KD win another title. There's no doubt about that. But as far as where do I want to see him go where he can, I'm not really sure that it's that many places where he can actually go when he's a legitimate contender. Are they going to be are they going to be somebody that's good? Are they going to be somebody that actually is really able to actually go ahead and get over the hump? Or are they somebody who's going to be able to just kind of be at the dance, but they're not going to be part of the final two? So to your point, I'll go ahead and say I think that uh, I would like to see him with Phoenix. Him uh, teamed up with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, I think that would be a nice trio. And I really think that you would see a lot of back and forth between them and the Los Angeles Clippers, a lot of back and forth between them and the Golden State Warriors who just won the title. I think Miami Heat, I don't think that – I can't see that putting them over the hump versus what the West has. And just in my personal opinion – uh philadelphia having a james harden and a uh, joel Embiid, but clearly he's not going to do that at least we don't think he's going to do that milwaukee i don't think he's going to do that either so as far as uh as far as for the eastern conference i would probably say miami is probably the best bet for him to have the best chance but i don't really see miami getting over the hump even with uh, kevin durant but that's my personal opinion and i think that uh you would probably have to go with the phoenix suns um and to me, I probably say Phoenix Suns are probably the best shot he has because you got to also think about what is a team going to have to give up to get Kevin Durant, and do you want to go ahead and gut your team, which now makes you no longer a championship contender because you got to gut your team to go get him. So maybe a DeAndre Aiden for KD signing trade or you know something like that, uh, putting a Mikael Bridges also in that package because that's essentially what KD is going to be playing the wing. Uh, maybe that's probably the best option uh, to go and be an instant contender, in my opinion. Fourth of July weekend coming up. What are you uh, down with more, fireworks or backyard barbecue? 
Oh, you know, I wish I could say both because uh, I definitely like both. But I would probably have to go with I'm more so I'm more so like to eat relatively healthy yeah. uh, nowadays. So I'd probably have to go with the fireworks because, <laughs> you, you know, there's always some beautiful yeah. looking. You do not belong in the show if you're eating healthy. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> the rest of us are like, well, no, Willie does. Willie does. He's at the gym almost every day. So I'll speak for yeah, the others. Come on, fellas. I know, I'm I mean, at the gym at least five, six times. I know. I'm sure. Believe me, on this show, you only have one competitor, and that's uh, that's Willie who's here. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, we would have an eating kind. If you want to compete, backyard barbecue, all ready to eat. Willie can eat, too. Uh, have a good weekend, Stanford. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Man, you guys be good. Have a happy, blessed, and safe 4th of July. I want to build on that on the way back. Thank you, Stanford. Uh, backyard barbecue, fireworks. What are you more into, Willie? 4th of July weekend. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. In the big picture, I wasn't surprised at all. The market forces right now have created a power two. And the revenue gap between the SEC and the Big Ten and everybody else had grown to essentially project out to be double. So the higher-end schools in those other three leagues are only naturally going to go try to cross the river and get more money. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Yeah, these are crazy times. Pete Thamel on uh, the money grab by USC and UCLA and the Big Ten, you know, picking and choosing what markets it wants to be in. And it affects us. You know, we have a lot of Pac-12 transplants here. We're tied to the Pac-12 in Vegas with the uh, basketball championships and the Pac-12 title game for football. And Ben Bolch covers the L.A. scene and UCLA. And we bring him on here. As, uh, I guess your travel plans are going to change in the next couple of years. I'll have some trips to uh, hell holes like Lincoln and Iowa City on the way. <laughs> hey, I'm a big fan of love, but go easy on uh, go easy on us. I went to Northwestern, so I'm thrilled to be able to uh, go back to Chicago. But yeah, trips to like Happy Valley and uh, and Rutgers. I mean, I'm not really looking forward to those. For Wait a time. second. Wait a second. If you're going to mention Northwestern, I went to Rutgers, so it's uh, it's a little oh, the, the, the area is a little nicer than you'd expect. But I get it. It's a long flight, and the travel thing is certainly something we want to talk about. So. I want you to talk about when you started hearing about this and, and what you know about this whole developing thing, uh, you know, specifically from the UCLA standpoint, the interest in getting out of the Pac-12 and going to the Big Ten. Well, everybody who was involved deserves huge credit for the tight lips that prevailed and no leaks until uh, I think John Wilner of the uh, San Jose Mercury News was the one to break this, but, uh, you know, very last minute and, and by the end of the day, we had it all locked down and official and everybody putting out statements. So they did a great job of, of keeping this under wraps to the very end. As far as uh, the UCLA involvement, um, you know, I don't have like a specific TikTok, but I know UCLA under Martin Darmon, the athletic director, who's now just completed second year on the job, you know, he's been looking for new opportunities uh, for, for many months, if not since he basically got the job. So uh, I'm not going to say he was looking at the Big Ten specifically, but I know he was looking to position UCLA uh, in a much more lucrative fashion. I mean, it, this is a athletic department that's now facing a record $102 million-plus deficit that it's built up over the last three years. And now with this infusion of cash in the Big Ten, uh, you know, only a couple of years into this new uh, alignment, I think that uh, they're going to be uh, out of out of the red and, and in much better situation. So, a lot of impetus there. 
um, and uh, a lot of reasons for, for UCLA to join the Big Ten. Yeah, we talked about it yesterday, a lot of the, the numbers, you know, uh, of Vanderbilt, which is an unbelievable institution, but not very good at at least football. They, they're competitive in other sports, certainly baseball. But, you know, Vanderbilt's getting $80 million a year, due, you know, probably over $100 million in the SEC, and then Pac-12 schools are getting in the 30s. At some point, something had... To break. Um, before we get to all the implications of this, uh, I do want to ask, and I've been asking everyone this, um, has anyone yet spoken about the athletes and the wear and tear on the athletes? Like, we were just joking about media traveling across the country. This is going to be an aggressive travel schedule, um, maybe not so much for football, but for basketball and some of the other Olympic sports where I would assume UCLA athletes, when they go on the road, aren't going, you know, to the Big Ten for one game, they're probably going to have to go on a trip where they're out for seven, you know, ten days and play multiple opponents. Yeah, and I've heard there's some potentially creative solutions uh, for some of those Olympic sports. Like this is just throwing out a possible example, but you know, maybe UCLA uh, softball flies to Chicago and then Penn State and Rutgers fly to Chicago and they play a couple of series yep. uh, against those schools there. I mean, I think that. You know, meet, meet Me Halfway is going to kind of take on a new meeting uh, with this new conference just because it literally is the first coast-to-coast conference in the country. So there's going to be some accommodations that are going to be, need to be made. Uh, there's going to need to be probably be some extra tutors hired at all these schools for all the class time missed. And uh, there's going to be a lot of study on planes. We know that for sure. Yeah. Do you... Um... Well, what's been the feedback so far from fans? Because I, I think in the media sometimes we forget about rivalries. And in, in the end, I got into this because I'm a sports fan. I'm still a sports fan. I enjoy rivalries. I think it's kind of killed a lot of rivalries. I mean, all of a sudden you have these two schools, and you know UCLA specifically in this case, I mean, all their rivalries are mostly going to be gone. Are fans disappointed or is just like, hey, we want the money. Screw it. Well, I think there's actually a lot of excitement even beyond the money. I mean, I think that uh... – UCLA fans are excited to have Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan come into the Rose Bowl on basically, you know, a semi-annual basis now. I mean, let's face it, their UCLA attendance has been down uh, some record lows here under Chip Kelly, and certainly the lack of success has been part of it. But I think some of these Pac-12 rivalries don't really have uh, a lot of juice outside of maybe, you know, uh, from a UCLA perspective, maybe, uh, you know, uh, Oregon and, and USC, uh, you know, even Cal and Stanford, uh, when those teams come to the Rose Bowl, there's not a lot of buzz there. So, yeah. you know, you, you put a, a Penn State uh, in the Rose Bowl, not only are you going to get some excitement from UCLA fans, you're going to get a lot of travel uh, fans from these fan bases that uh, like to accompany their teams. And they're going to be really excited to go to the Rose Bowl in, in late November uh, with, when that happens. So I think there is some excitement factor there's some curiosity and i think that's a big uh drawing point for for ucla fans yeah and let's build on that because yeah when you think about it this for college football outside of the the real hotbeds attendance is down in lots of places i mean i i work uh, around the unlv football program and it's not a great draw on the road but um and I've, i've you know i went to a game at northwestern Ben, there was no one there, right? Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, there was a game, UNLV event. There's no one there. This is becoming more of a TV thing. So if you're not making money at the gate, then you got to find a way to make money. And if everything is you know, growing and growing and growing in TV rights fees, that's the way to kind of make up for the lack of gate. Yeah, and it's a big reason that UCLA is facing this deficit is because of the uh, record shortfall in the at the gate and lack of uh, fans in the stands. So 
Um, you know, UCLA traditionally does not travel well, but I think they're going to be able to put together some creative packages where they're going to be like, hey, you know, we've never traveled to Happy Valley. Let's let's go check it out. Let's go check out this historic stadium. Maybe there'll be some snow on the field. I mean, can you imagine these teams used to playing in pretty much tropical weather, heading out there and playing in a, a fog bowl or a snow bowl? I mean, it's going to be uh, kind of a trippy experience for, for UCLA and USC fans, and I think they're going to want to experience it at least a couple times to see what it's all about. Speaking of Ben Bolch, LA Times, UCLA beat writer. So, Ben, i got to ask you, you, you cover a storied school, right? You, you name, name a sport, all the way to gymnastics, to softball at some times. I know there was a local girl way back in the day that played on one of the top teams. I mean, every sport, just storied uh, school and so you obviously covered the Pac-12, and you talked about the fans and the money, and and it, it goes beyond college football. Why does right now, from your standpoint, in covering for a large media outlet, when you look outside looking in, Las Vegas has become such a hotbed for sports all around, in terms of postseason tournaments and championships, and and uh, now with the pro sports town. Why does Las Vegas become an attractive spot for, let's say, down the road, Pac-12, Big 12, all of a sudden, hey, let's go get UNLV. Las Vegas as a whole has to be the attractive thing, not just UNLV. So so, so you're saying why would the Big Ten covet? No, not UNLV Big Ten. Yet? No, okay. not Big Ten. Down the road, Pac-12 and Big 12, they're going to have to make a decision at some point. We're seeing... You know, conferences go after one another. So I'm asking beyond UCLA and USC, I'm talking Pac-12 now, or I'm talking Big 12, these these conferences, when they have to start grabbing from some of the smaller, the group of five conferences, does UNLV, does, does Las Vegas, is it attractive enough as the whole? What's brought, the facilities, the town, the tourism, the fans that would travel from the other schools? Do they look past UNLV's football program and its history? Basketball's fallen off since the glory days. Um, can it can it be rejuvenated by adding Las Vegas to a conference like that down the road? Yeah, I mean we've seen the buzz that Las Vegas created in the Pac-12 with moving the basketball tournament there. I thought it was an amazing uh, event, especially once T-Mobile got built. Uh, I thought that there was incredible excitement. Uh, for, for Vegas, and I think that's the sort of thing that's going to drive, uh, you know, UNLV is going to drive up their value and their attractiveness to, to some of these other conferences if, you know, the Pac-12 wants to get involved or, or the Big 12 and, and, and UNLV, that's the big, that's probably their, let's be honest, that's probably UNLV's biggest selling point is its location and all that Las Vegas has to offer. So I think your point is excellent, spot on, that well, UNLV has a lot to offer, but its location uh, and all the buzz and excitement and the, the burgeoning sports scene there and entertainment capital aspects, I think, make that the big draw. Talking to people around the conference, do you believe or do people believe in the new leadership of the Pac-12 that they're going to be able to hold this thing together as a conference? Well, it's going to be interesting, right? I mean, they're already um, you know, looking at replacement models. I think John Wilner put out one today that's, you know, basically, I mean, he's just spitballing, but, right. you know, San Diego State <laughs> and, and Fresno State is yeah. part of the Pac-12 South now. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of interest. We'll have to see what, uh, you know, Oregon does. Oregon uh, has a lot of, uh, I would think they would be an attractive uh, spot uh, or team that could, could land in, you know, a lot of different places or maybe even go take the old Notre Dame model and go independent. So, 
Um, you know, there's a lot of dominoes still left to fall, um, and it's really going to be fascinating to see uh, what the Pac-12 ends up looking like here come 2024. Back to UCLA, from what you know, was this always going to be a package deal that you, UCLA and USC were bonded together? You know, not necessarily, but I think that it was there. I think there was strong incentives for both schools to do it just because of the rivalry and, you know, not wanting to leave one or the other behind. I mean, I certainly in football, it's SC and basketball, it's UCLA. Um, so I think they both had kind of that, uh, you know, incentive to keep that together. They wanted to preserve the rivalry, um, not leave one one behind in the city and, and the other one take off. So I think it made a lot of sense on, on multiple fronts, uh, and it ended up uh, working out exactly that way. You think Mick Cronin likes this? Uh, you know, from what he said publicly, I I, I think he's excited about okay. the opportunity to go play, uh, you know, Michigan State and Indiana and Michigan. I mean, uh, the, the, I think the bottom line for him is that this presents a lot more uh, leeway as far as getting into the tournament bids. I think the, the Big Ten got nine last year versus the Pac-12 only getting three. So, uh, you know, you're going to be able to stumble a few more times and still be safely in the tournament playing in the Big Ten versus, uh, you know, you're going to have to be in the very elite echelon in the Pac-12 to, to make sure you get the tournament. So that's a, that's a big selling point. My God, I hadn't even thought of that. Are we looking at, like, 2025 NCAA tournament. Big Ten's got to get 12 teams, 11 teams. Like, oh my God, <laughs> really? That seems yeah, that I, seems I, nuts. It, it is, but uh, you know, they they've uh, the funny thing is, I think uh, UCLA went through two or three of them on the way to the uh, Final Four a few years ago. So they're they're intimately familiar with Michigan, Michigan State, and. Uh, played Ohio State in an intersectional game. So they, they're familiar with each other, but uh, they're about to get a lot more familiar. Once again, speaking of Ben Bolch, LA Times, UCLA beat writer. Ben, before we let you go, I definitely got to get your take. Football's right around the corners. We got camp opening up soon, and we got a local kid leading the Bruins behind center, Dorian Thompson Robinson. What kind of years is he going to have? Oh, yeah. Uh, he's. He's going to have a great year, and it's interesting. I, I came out and saw him play at Gorman uh, before he even got to UCLA, and, and what the reason I mentioned that is because I had a, a nice uh, lunch with him when I was out there in Vegas, and he was very comfortable and relaxed. And I have not seen him this comfortable and relaxed since that time I sat down with him. You know, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations, and I think, not to say he got rattled, but, uh, you know, I think that uh, he, he's grown up a lot in these last, uh, four years, and I think he's poised for uh, really everybody's saying, you know, the running back, Zach Charbonnet, is there, is UCLA's Heisman guy, but let's, I think Dorian could be in that conversation as well, especially if he gets off to a hot start and the schedule sets up really nicely for UCLA here in the non conference. So, uh, Dorian's, uh, this is uh, his year to really cement his legacy. He's already got one with that beatdown he put on SD last year, but really can move up the charts and, and be a name that uh, everybody's going to remember uh, for all time at UCLA. Ben, thank you so much. We appreciate all the knowledge on UCLA and this uh, big news. Have a good weekend. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Ben Bolch, LA Times. You know, I had a fleeting thought, but we kind of ran out of time. He gave a lot of credit to the AD, Martin Jarmon. Do you think Desiree Reed Francois is looking at this going, oh my God, from a legacy standpoint, this could have been something I could have achieved at her school? Good point. She came up, you know, she she wound up second yeah. to Jarmon, and, you know, she's in a good spot at Missouri. 
but man, essentially saving you uh, UCLA athletics from a budget standpoint, and there's going to be a lot of challenges. But now getting you know 100, 110, 125 million dollars in the kitty every year from the TV deal, that would have been a nice feather on the cap for DRF. Yeah. Nice, nice problem to have, right? Like, like hey, I would, man, I wish I had gotten that UCLA job instead of this great job. Although, to be determined, right? We'll see what happens. Missouri has a lot of questions too. So every school right now, you know, unless you're, you know, you know, in an elite school in one of these Power Fives, every school, every AD has challenges.